Howdy, I'm Paul Isaacoder, and this is Author's Dozen, a podcast where I explore barriers to storytelling by writing one novel every month for 12 months. Please enjoy. Quick, don't even think. Who's your ideal consumer? Who's the person you most want to please with your art? You should know this already. It was on the test. It's the person who was at the bottom right and left-hand corners of the target triangle from the episode Pros Pros. It's you, the creator, and them, the people toward whom you are aiming the arrow of your art. Phew! Okay, you passed the test. All right, so you, one part of the triangle, you're already consuming your art. You don't have to worry about that. But what about them, the outside, the other, who you would really like to enjoy and share this art with you? Have they experienced your work? Having readers is important to me as a writer, not only for the pleasure of knowing that my work is out in the world doing its work, but also because if I tell those people that I'm working and they don't see my work, they'll know that I'm a lazy, good-for-nothing, bum, and I will be very embarrassed and depressed. And here's the dirty secret of Authors Dozen. It's actually proven to be most useful as an accountability tool for me Paul Yoder. Teaching other people is secondary. You are not at the top of my list, but since you're here, here's teaching. I've identified a character flaw in myself of desperately needing to appear to others in a certain favorable light. This year, I've decided to hijack that character flaw and make it work for my advantage. Was that like something that I originally set out to do? I don't know. Let's be honest. Let's say that the movie Armageddon was not only real, but realistic. Let's say that the astronaut miners loaded the planet-killing meteor with nukes, turning the meteor into a shotgun blast that not only wipes out the Earth, but also maybe irradiates it. Good job, Bruce. Let's say you knew for a fact that the world would end in one hour. What would you do then? Let's be honest. In the moment... There's nothing that your brain and body wants more than to just veg out and consume pleasure. No veggies involved, ironically. Whatever you love most, you do in that final Armageddon hour. And because you know that there's no need to be productive, you do things that aren't, like, in the long term productive. This is the problem you face every day. In the moment, you want nothing more than to steer your ship toward the siren's beautiful song. Sure, being eaten by sirens isn't great for the long term, but in the moment, you don't care. Every highly productive person on Earth has found some way to link their short-term pleasure with some long-term goals. My long-term goal is to be literary innovator, mentor, and activist. But that's not achievable in the short term, however much 20-year-old Paul thought so. In fact, Contributing to that long-term goal goes against most of my short-term needs. This is why writing cannot, for most people, be a completely solitary pursuit. This is why the typical writer will usually ambush you with a description of what they're writing. What they're doing is for the long-term, but they need that short-term benefit of someone validating their idea and praising their creativity. So be kind to that person who ambushes you at the party. My original question, do you have an ideal audience? Well, if not, do that pros pros triangle exercise. Now, once you have the ideal audience, honestly, ask yourself if your ideal audience is reading your work. 
If no, ask why not. Okay, there's four answers. Number one, to are they reading? The answer is, well, it's not finished. Well, why is that? One of the reasons your work isn't finished is because the only person expecting it and holding you to the deadline is yourself. It's a very dangerous place to be in. Unless you're incapable of doing anything against your own self-interest, which I know you're not because you're listening to this podcast, find someone you trust and want to consume your material. Give them a date by which your work will be ready for them to see. All right, are they reading answer number two? It's not perfect. Well, when will it be perfect? Never. I mean, if you want it to be perfect and you keep doing that, that's a private hobby. It's a solipsistic obsession. See, I'm not even going to stop the podcast for that mistake. I'm just going to keep going. And there's nothing wrong with just holding on to something until it's perfect. But if you're interested in other people benefiting from your work, you're going to have to let that thing go into the world in some imperfect state. One of the reasons I started this podcast is that I kept rewriting the novel, The Eerie Queen, and doing nothing else. I think that novel is about as perfect as it ever will be. I think it's time, if you're in that situation, to try other things and learn from the variety. Now, is your art so bad that Mr. Rogers himself would read it and tell you that you're a piece of garbage and that he would never want you to be his neighbor? That's what happened with my book, God Forsaken. Someday I'll fix it up and make it available. But that's one out of nine novels so far that was embarrassing to release for free to the public. It's likely that your work isn't that bad or isn't as bad as you think it is. And if it is bad, give it to someone who won't be hostile. Maybe even send your work to someone and ask them, just don't even read this, please, just so that they can know you completed your task. All right. Answer number three to are they reading? I wouldn't want to impose. Hey, give me a break. If you're so filled with self-hatred that you don't think your best friend would enjoy even knowing that you wrote a book, well, I've got two things to say to you. Number one, hello, Paul Yoder. Number two, get over yourself. You don't have to demand that they read your work or watch your video or whatever. They can just send it to them and just say, ah, I just thought I'd give you a little update. Just... Just, uh, I did this and I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's good. And be totally comfortable with the crushing silence that follows. All right. The fourth and final answer to are they reading? It's just too hard. Yeah, it'll keep being hard until you do it. And you'll never get the benefits that come from having someone other than you check out your work. I've read work by people who obviously never had a teacher or a critic or really anyone they've shared their work with. They've been left in their own ignorance about some of the things they're doing wrong. I mean, they've got like a kick me sign on their back. You know what I'm saying? Do I disdain these people? Not at all. They are the brave ones that asked for help and criticism. Imagine learning to do anything of value on your own without personal instruction, driving, Speaking, heck, despite the state of men's bathrooms attesting otherwise, every person listening to this had to be specifically trained by another human being in the use of a toilet, our most shameful act. And so I don't get the explicit tag on my podcast. I'm going to play you an edited clip of another podcaster, realizing that his private method of excretion is somewhat counterproductive. Are you telling me that y'all just oh, let the yes, doodle fall in the yes. toilet? Mm. Y'all don't catch Very it every good. time? Yes, Yo. this is cool. I am about to leave, bro. Good. How do y'all...
Oh, wow. Yes. I'm honestly glad for this guy. He might have gone a little bit more public with his mistake than he would have liked to, but at least he knows better now. And if you don't want your mistakes to go viral like this, surround yourself with people who check out and honestly critique your work. So now it's time to choose people to read your work. All right, start soft. Find a cheerleader to read your work first, not like a literal cheerleader, someone who can read. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so sorry. That was a joke, guys. Come on. Find someone who will give you back a ton of praise despite your bad jokes. Here's why. I used to be a very bad person to have read your work. I was mucho arrogant and very sure that I knew the right way to do things. When people sent me work, I'd tell them honestly what I thought. The authority. I look back at those earlier times with a sense of regret. Honesty is great, but if it's not done diplomatically, and if it's not done with, like, a side helping of praise, it'll have zero effect, except for making someone feel, in effect, like a zero. For some, I was one of the first people to ever give them feedback, and that first experience was filled with negative rather than positive reinforcement. I'm not saying that I ever purposefully tore people to shreds, but... That's a low bar for a cheerleader. When you train a baby to walk or eat, you really cheer them on when they do it right. You don't smack them in the face when they mess up. Some of you guys are either submitting or reading some writing that is equivalent to baby's first steps. And I'm not trying to be patronizing. It's just that everybody has to start somewhere sometime. When someone is just getting started, the first thing they need to hear is good job. They need to know, and you need to know, that there's something good about what they're doing so that they don't get discouraged and give up. Don't send your work to a liar who will praise your mistakes, but find someone who can find things to praise and who will focus mostly on that praise. Let them know you're just looking for someone to find the good bits and draw that out a little bit. Once you've been praised just a little bit and know your strengths, then you can ask for criticism. Every critic is always subjectively correct. They know exactly how they felt about your work. You cannot argue with them that they actually felt one way about your work when they tell you they felt a different way. And the subjectivity will give you invaluable advice about how your work impacts a person. Every critic will be able to look at a style book or critique your grammar. There are some objective rules to grammar, and every rule you break will make more confusing and not readable your writing that is being readed. Sure, you can have your own style, but distancing yourself from the average elements of style distances you from the average reader. Every critic will be able to make suggestions. No critic can or should write your book for you. Now, I've been hurt by criticism before, but I've always been able to eventually remove my feelings from the equation and sort the valuable criticism from the criticism that I just thought was wrong and didn't really care about. If someone makes a good point about a flaw in your work, good work, you can change it. If somebody makes a bad point about your work, well, congrats, you can recognize that they're wrong and recognize that their criticism is bad and not worth internalizing as if it's like some sort of worth calculator for you. It's a win-win, guys. Almost. Now, I've only ever once received a criticism that I found offensive. 
I was going to dredge it up on the podcast, but the gist is this. Someone who had power over me told me how to write my book. Above all, isn't that the point of criticism? Well, when criticizing critics should tell the artist what they didn't didn't like. The critic can and should tell the artist where they think this or that element could be stronger, or even suggest exploring this certain idea less or this certain idea more. But the second a critic takes the pen out of the artist's hand and begins writing the artist's story for them, that's the second that the critic has crossed the line. The critic can say anything they want about the art, anything except, I could have done it better. Because how could you know you could have done it better? Well, then why didn't you? Instead, a critic should recognize the essential building blocks of a story and tell the artist, interesting, I think you could do better. Now, if you're anything like me, you're lucky enough to have a few people who keep up with your work almost as soon as you write it, and who would never criticize things in the wrong way. And for now, those people are usually either family or friends, but there are a few strangers out there who will vibe with your work and my work, and uh, we're lucky for that. And yet, in that element of luck, there's also an article of danger. If people you care about read your work, there's always the threatening probability that you will alter your story to fit their desires and expectations, rather than staying true to yourself and your ideal audience. I've read many, many works from friends and family that bend over backwards to appeal to said friends and family, even if the book isn't meant for them. Grandma Yoder, for instance, reads more than you do. She reads more than anybody on the planet, and she's almost certainly listening to this podcast before you do. So hi, Grandma. Now, just because Grandma Yoder is guaranteed to listen to this episode certainly doesn't mean I should tailor everything to her specific tastes and circumstances. That's not because I don't love my grandma, because of course I do, but rather because I've decided to aim this podcast at a different audience, generally. Certainly, there's no real reason to alienate the Grandma Yoders of the world just because you can, but if I think a novel's story calls for talking about some uncomfortable topics that I wouldn't normally bring up at Grandma's dinner table, I'll do it. I've narrowed my ideal audience to a very specific person, an open-minded and well-read lifelong learner who enjoys disappearing into adventurous new worlds. Now you'll notice in that that actually my Grandma Yoder and a lot of other people would fit into the broader aspects of that category in some regard. And while that's true, some of my friends and family don't really like to read that much, and others would rather spend their time on nonfiction or movies or whatever, and others don't like it when I say bad words like poo-poo or pee-pee. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna not get an explicit tag, but oh, now I've polluted your ears. I'm sorry. Now, if I can make my book much better for my ideal reader by making it a little worse for my friends and family, that's what I'll do. My loved ones do things all the time that aren't specifically for me, and I love them enough to care about their work even though it's not something I'd normally care about. So, what I'm going to do for our next episode is to specifically reach out to listeners and other writers I admire and try to get some criticism of my books. Depending on the number of people who are willing to provide constructive feedback, and so far it's looking pretty good, uh, depending on the quality of this feedback, which again, oh, pretty good, this could be a single episode or a whole series. We will see. Now this is your chance, of course, for fame and fortune. If you want to be my co-host for a whole episode etching your name into the annals of history, all you have to do is read one of my books 
and criticize it to my face. There are no qualifications, just let me know that you're willing to chat. AuthorsDozen at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach me, but there are tons of links over at AuthorsDozen.com that'll give you ways to reach out. Now, speaking of criticism, I've been really hassling you to go over to iTunes Podcasts and write me a review. And here are some of those reviews. Worth the Listen by I Want Survival. Paul explains in a witty and informative manner the process of creating a story. I enjoy getting a peek behind the curtain of authoring a novel, and I am stoked every time Paul uploads entire books that he's written. I get to learn through being told and then being shown. I always look forward to listening to him, and it's worth it every time. Wow, that's that's criticism right there. You can criticize me like that all day long. Here's another blistering critique. This is such a heartfelt podcast with wonderful humor. I highly recommend it for the insight in life, thought process, and the effects that come with writing by Hoodle. Thank you, Hoodle. Then we've got another one that says, Amazing G-G-G by McGlentz. Following along with this crazy journey has been a blast so far, and I can't wait to see what's next. Ooh, those are only three of my many reviews, and if you want to leave one and, like, help this podcast reach more people, then go and do that at iTunes. Again, if you're interested in critiquing the book, if you think you'd do a bang-up job, get in touch with me. All right, and with that, with that thanks and, and thank you and good job to you, I'm going to escape this blanket fort that I've uh, constructed for myself uh, for sound purposes, which ironically has made my computer so warm that it's begun to spew uh, fan fluid everywhere and sounds like a jet turbine. Please send help. Oh no, we're gonna con air. We gotta, we gotta bird strike. We're gonna sully this podcast. <laughs>